what do Percy Jackson, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, Harry Potter, and about half of the members of the X-Men original cartoon TV cast all have in common? I'll give you a second. Okay, seconds over. They're all teens or tweens who, in the course of growing up, realized that they had different powers. Not only did they realize they had them, they had to figure out how to work through their initiations and use them. This whole idea of teenagers and young people acquiring extra senses isn't something that is that far from reality. In fact, it is in the tween and teen years as we turn on our hormones and as we begin to mature as people that we also begin to mature spiritually. In this installment of Psychopomp Stories, I am going to talk a little bit about the process of waking up my energy body and realizing that all of this was inside of me. I'm also going to talk about some of the trials and tribulations that came with that, most especially the idea of meeting the dark ones, which is also a motif in most, but not all of those shows. You see, just as young people are developing their senses, so too are there a world of dark psychopomps and influential energy beings that seek to find the vulnerable, young, and unarmed people and to communicate with them and to bring them into their power. I call this story Teenage Adventures, Discovering My Powers and Meeting the Dark Ones. Hello, my name is Katie Indy Crow. I am an earth-walking, soul-talking crow person. In other words, a psychopomp. This podcast is a collection of my best stories, earned whilst out on the road, taking care of the planet and guiding the souls who live here. Come on in. Here's some of my psychopomp stories. young Kitty Indy Crow was a very interesting person. As a child, according to my parents, I was both highly intelligent and intense. They will tell me that I was able to speak in full sentences before I was a year old, and I have memories starting probably about the age of two or three where I would very clearly articulate to anyone and anything any question that I had or any opinion that might cross my mind. I was never a shy child. I was always somebody that had a deep curiosity about the world and who wanted to know as much as I could about anything. So why was always one of my favorite questions. Being a lover of knowledge, the library quickly became one of my favorite places to go. And it was perhaps at the book section checkout aisle of the library that I really started to or should have gotten an idea that maybe I was interested in things that are a little different than what your typical kid is interested in. Very early on, I developed an intense desire to figure out what was going on in the whole idea of the serial murderer world. I grew up in the 80s, so there was a lot of serial murdering going on. And for me, my biggest preoccupation was to figure out what was going on in the homes and the lives of these people so that we would be able to identify the factors that would create a serial killer and possibly one day eliminate those from being. Maybe that is a little bit of a naive way to approach things, but at the time I was nine or 10. So I think that was fairly advanced. Um, I was also fascinated with books like The Prophecies of Nostradamus. I remember taking those out and having my mind blown at one time. 
But I also enjoyed more lighthearted, lighthearted fare, like the book Matilda, that absolutely blew my mind. I remember reading it, and at one part of the book, Matilda, the character, has discovered that she has the ability to move things with her mind. I was pretty sure that I also had that ability, so I used to practice trying to move a pencil with my mind for hours and hours at a time. Never happened. <laughs> Not yet, anyway. I loved television programs where teenagers and young people had supernatural powers. So something like X-Men would have been my favorite show. Characters like Storm and Jean Grey felt like role models to me because they were able to do things like connect to the weather and the environment. And they were also able to do things like hear what other people were thinking. To me, the struggles of Jean Grey fueling everyone else's thoughts and being taken over by weird powers also seemed to be a very pressing issue and something that I wanted to pay attention to. You see, as a child, I was raised in a Catholic household. There was no talk about any of this sort of thing. And so although something inside of me was leading me in the curious path towards understanding the supernatural and understanding the astrological and understanding the metaphysical and the mystical, Outside of the Roman Catholic Church, there was no way for me to really perceive that or a framework through which to understand it. And so I kind of started studying these movies like they were a book and trying to figure out what I could from them about how to develop myself. My early childhood and into my tween years were in some ways very typical and happy. I come from a two-parent household parents who loved each other. I was raised on a small remote island where there was a very small amount of crime. I was able to play outside all day, every day in my freedom. And I recognized what a privileged person I am because I came from that kind of a background. In other ways, however, my childhood into my tween years was incredibly dark. Especially as I got older, it went from being happy to being bizarre. As I started growing up, year after year, things started to get a little bit more difficult in dream time. If you remember the very first installment of Crow Medicine, The Path of the Crow, I talked to you about being a little girl and waking up in the middle of the night and looking out my window and seeing souls surrounding me and knowing that I was supposed to take them somewhere. This is something that happened for most of my childhood <laughs> and it is something that I just got used to. As I grew, uh, things started to get more intense. I started to have extremely vivid, terrible nightmares about things and places that I would later, as a psychopomp, realize were the pits where stolen souls are kept. I would have dreams about situations that I had never experienced as a person in this body and that I certainly was not exposed to through television, through my parents, or through media. And it's the type of things that I can't talk about on here without censoring it. So you can imagine what it was. Every single night when I would go to bed, it would become almost like a battle royale. I would find myself in places like catacombs filled with skulls and heads that were on sticks that you would have to walk on, or in the backfield in some random place running with a group of other kids away from somebody who wanted to kill us or somewhere where a vampire was trying to steal my soul through taking my blood, or in a place where somebody was a mass murderer that was trying to take over the town. These are the kinds of things that preoccupied my child's mind. 
And, you know, as I started having these dreams more frequently and as I started getting a little bit older, entering my tween years, this is when I really started to realize that, you know, behind these dreams, it's not just a dream. There is something more to this. And I knew in part that that was the truth because when I would wake up from those dreams, I would be covered in bruises and scratches that I couldn't have possibly gotten from laying in my bed alone. And I also understood that behind all of that, there was something that was probably dark and dangerous and evil. And eventually, that dark, dangerous and evil thing tried to talk to me. As is the case with many young women, my mom and I had a lot of difficulty getting along with one another when I was a child. We are both Acadian women, and that means that we were born into a bloodline that has a lot of pain, abuse, and difficulty that is associated with it. You carry the hardship in your blood. And my mom came from a family that was very tough. And so when she was learning how to parent me and I was learning how to be a child, things weren't that nice. And in fact, we at one point in our relationship reproduced every unhealthy pattern between a mother and a child that you basically could. And so because of that, I felt very isolated and alone as a child. And although I had my books and I had some friends and I knew in my heart that my dad loved me, if I'm being very honest, I felt like I didn't have a place in my family. I felt like my mom hated me. And because of the abuse that she suffered as a child that had to do with the generational things that happened in our family, she also, as I was a child, was abusive towards me. This isn't something that continues on in our family today. This is something that we have healed with love. But when I was a little child, it placed me at a great vulnerability because I felt like I had nobody to talk to. I felt like I had nobody I could trust. And I didn't think that I had any sources of love. So by the time I hit 11 or 12, my teenage years, and I was starting to have more intense dreams and things were starting to amp up, I had my very first visit from what I recognized as a nefarious or bad being that existed outside of my dreams. At the time, I had just had a terrible fight with my mother, the kind that when you are a 12-year-old kid, shatters your whole entire reality. And I was hurt very, very badly. And as I laid in my room crying, wishing for somebody to love me, I remember hearing a voice and they said, if you would like your mother to die, we can make that happen. All that you have to do is work with us. And in that moment, I said no. Because no matter how much I didn't love her or how much I didn't feel like she loved me, I knew that wishing something like that on a person was a really bad thing. But I never really thought much of it. Within a day or two, my mother, my brother, and I were alone at our house. My dad was at work. And my mom was eating supper in the kitchen. And guess what? She choked. The voices <laughs> came back to me in that moment. And they reminded me that if I let her die, I will get my father and everybody else all to myself and that I won't have to suffer what she puts me through each day. 
I ignored the voice and I ran up to my mother and I put my arms around her and I did the Heimlich maneuver because conveniently I had also just learned how to do that at school the other day. Had I said yes in that situation and not helped her, I would have committed a crime against the universe. I would have lost a part of my soul to the being who was trying to influence me. And then from that point on for the rest of my life, they would have been able to try to use that piece of my soul as a way to gain influence on me and to steer me into further bad situations and conditions through the rest of my life. This also would have made a major impact on my spiritual development. And I will say more on that later. But in a nutshell, what this little story is an indication of is this is how things start happening for a lot of kids who are waking up and turning on their energy bodies and their spiritual sense and their ability to perceive. There are beings who are out there in the astral world who look for people who are sad and broken just like I was in that moment. And in particular, those who haven't yet formed the intellectual capacity to know what is wrong or the spiritual defense systems to protect themselves. And they try to get them when they're young. And that's exactly what those creeps tried to do to me. After that time, the voice would visit me every now and again. And some occasions it would try to impress me. It would try to make me believe that if I did whatever it was that it wanted me to do, I would be rewarded with a great deal of power. And as it would say, everything I wanted in the world. It would also try to do things like make me believe that I had more power than I really did, like the power to make lightning happen or the power to make an earthquake. In other instances, when the voice was around, I noticed that it wasn't me that it was trying to talk to. It was other people. And in its communications with those other people, it would try to turn other people against me. The voice was a motif that I dealt with for the rest of my teenage years. All people have their own version of superpowers or what could be called superpowers. And I want to be very clear that I'm not setting myself as different or more special than anyone else. And in fact, I'm telling this story because I know that it is so common amongst people who are energy sensitive and energy aware that I thought as I told this little thing about what happened to me, then maybe it would also help people understand a little bit more about what had happened to themselves or perhaps what is happening to young people in their families. This is not something that gets talked about a lot, but it is something that I have developed as a specialist. Like most children, as I got to 12, 13, or 14 years old, my energy body started coming aligned. And this is something that happens across the board pretty much. As my energy body came online, it allowed me to have a more direct connection with the earth, which was excellent. And it also allowed me to start having a more direct communication with my soul for the first time. For me, this part of life is really where magic started happening. This is where I started to feel happy. And this is where things started to make sense. Yes, I heard the voice and yes, it was scary. And we will get back to that in a moment. On the topic of superpowers and intuitive senses, all people have their own version and all people are meant to be developing the soul body connection as they grow. So when I say superpowers, really what I'm talking about is your intuitive or your natural soul and energy sensing gifts your ability to communicate with the universe and everything around you. The idea is that as all people grow, we are meant to be receiving ourselves over time. As a body develops in its hormone responses and a child makes it to puberty, that is one of the moments that the energy body and soul connection starts to flow more powerfully. The changes in temperament and interest 
and the rise in urges and feelings that we explain biologically when we're talking about the teen and tween years also have an energetic component in that it is at these times of physical maturation that we also experience spiritual changes. And I think that this is partially why people mark occasions like bar mitzvah and confirmation at this age. The most influential experience for me in those years was the time when I realized that the earth could speak and that we as humans had the capacity and ability to communicate back with it. Growing up on a remote island, I have always had a close relationship to the earth. A lot of my most mystical experiences to date have always been in direct relationship with the earth. Where I grew up, we did not go to malls or hang out at sports facilities. We just played outside. And so to my surprise, one day when I was about 14 years old, I was walking home from a friend's house and it was nighttime. And I remember just coming up across a bush that I had walked across hundreds of times in my life. And that day, the bush looked very different to me. As I walked up on it, and as I stood in front of it, the bush looked like it was breathing. A breathing bush? Oh my God, I had no idea that could ever happen. But in that moment, I knew 100% that the bush was breathing. I knew 100% that I was not making this up. And as I stood there, looking at the bush breathing, I got this very strong inner knowing. I knew that the earth was alive. I knew that all of the earth was breathing like this bush. And I knew that what I was experiencing right now was supposed to be the bedrock of the human and earth experience. In those early years of self-discovery and soul discovery, perhaps one of the biggest deal things that happened, but I couldn't appreciate it until I was much older, were the changes in the dream time patterns. If you remember in an earlier segment, I talked to you about having vibrant dreams where I would be running away from a person that meant to do me and other people ill, and that sometimes those dreams would take place in extremely dark and dangerous scenarios. Well, I continued having those dreams almost every single day of my life. And eventually, though, the pattern of what was happening in those dreams would change. At first, whenever I was a younger person, I would feel frozen in fear. I would feel like I was going to die. I would clearly be being somebody that was being chased. As I grew older, I started to master the ability to do what I needed to do in dreams. So some people will call that lucid dreaming. So I started practicing waking myself up, being able to stop the scary thing from happening, being able to lead the other kids, being able to use my own magic powers inside of the dreams to get myself and other people to safety. Though I didn't realize what I was doing at the time, those were my earliest journeys in this lifetime as a psychopomp. That was me at the bright old age of 13, 14 years old, starting my more full-time job of walking souls. As I continued to grow and expand myself, as a child does, I got interested in different kinds of things. There was a musical artist called Marilyn Manson who was out at the time, and for whatever reason, I was drawn to that imagery. I started getting interested in things like the darker aspects of the world, and I started to form a little bit of an obsession with aliens. I was so interested in them that eventually I wound up adopting a silver alien pen with an oblong head and named him Lucifer. At around the same time, I also found myself with a plush zebra. 
who I was inspired to name Zeus. So for about six or eight months, Lucifer and Zeus came with me just about everywhere I went. Even though I was raised in the Catholic Church, and even though I definitely had an idea of good and evil, I was like 13 or 14 years old, and it didn't occur to me to put trouble onto the name Lucifer. To me, it was just a name that I pulled out of a random place to put on this thing. In retrospect, that should have been the first sign to me that something was wrong. One of the reasons why I was so gullible and vulnerable to believe that talking to anything with a name like that was a good thing was because, to be fair, I had never received any spiritual education on the true reality of the astral world. I knew what was going on with Jesus because I had gone to church my whole life. But when it came to things like entities or energies or protecting yourself, as far as I had been raised, that was all stuff that was make-believe. Now, inside of my heart, I knew things were very different, especially because I was going into dream time, battling things and waking up with scars and bruises all over my body. But at the same time, you're 13, you're 14. You are not intellectually developed and you do not have the critical thinking skills fully in place to protect yourself. Now, some of these kids in the movies seem to, but me as Katie didn't. And so me as a person being both extremely vulnerable because I didn't have a close relationship with my mother, also because I was lower of a vibration because I was going into dark and dangerous spaces to do my psychopomp job, and also because I was opening up my energy body and it was completely fractured and I had no idea to take care of it, I had become a target for a very bad thing. During the eight or nine months that Lucifer and Zeus were in my life, there was a marked transition in its quality and in the things that had, ha had been happening in it. I was an overachiever and a person who was the student council president. I played in a lot of bands. I was very smart and I had what you would say everything going for you. As I connected and allowed myself to go into the Lucifer Zeus game, I wound up for the first and only time in my life ever getting into trouble. I had rumors spread about me. I had disasters start happening. And I started having all the things that I liked taking away from me. My relationships with my parents got worse. My relationships with everyone else around me got worse. And I got to a point where I had to make a choice about what kind of a kid I was going to be. And if there was ever a time in my life where I could have went down the wrong path, it was those months there. In the end, although they weren't speaking to me and directing me to do things like hurt a person or trying to call me to follow them like they had been in other parts of this story and earlier parts of my life, I do personally believe that the two voices who came to found me were also the people who manifested as Zeus and Lucifer. In fact, when they showed up as an alien and a zebra, I just thought they were cool things that could be like a mascot. I didn't identify with Lucifer as a satanic thing. I didn't identify with Zeus as a god. These were just names and things, and this was just me being silly. I wasn't following advice. I wasn't making packs. I wasn't doing magic. But that I allowed myself to be in any way remotely associated with them caused me to get my butt kicked. Fortunately for me, I was diagnosed with cancer very shortly after the Great Fall that happened. As I was around them, 
and in the process of having cancer and being removed completely from my life, I also shattered and severed any connection that had been formed by them. So what do I really think happened here? Well, now that I have 20 plus more years of experience under my belt, it's pretty clear what happened. When a young person wakes up their energy body, they're also waking up their hormones. They are also waking up their sense of self. They are also waking up their ability to receive and hold on to their soul. Because things like an energy body are not really taught about in the general world, as this natural soul process is occurring, we wind up having a whole lot of energy leaks. Have you ever wondered why young people have that desire to have sexual activity or perhaps why the risk-taking behavior occurs? Obviously, hormones and changes in the development of the personality are a part of it, but so too is the fact that they are bringing their higher vibrational energy and their more high power energy, which is in fact being helped by the hormones into their body, and they're supposed to be learning how to hold it, when we have leaks in the energy body part that is meant to be holding and containing that energy, it can feel like a sexual urge, it can feel like compulsion, it can feel like rage. All the things that we have to work at as adults to harness and heal our energy bodies through are things that we are meant to be really learning how to deal with as we are children leading into those teenage years. And when we get to a space like that with our society, I do believe that we won't be as vulnerable to jokers like this. Do I really believe that it was Zeus and Lucifer who were contacting me? Absolutely, 100%. Yes, I do. And I do believe that they are the exact same ones who had been trying to push me to do bad things and push other people to push me into doing bad things for my whole life. And the reason they were trying to do it is that if I committed a crime against the universe, if I went against my sacred vow as a psychopomp, I wouldn't be able to be doing the things that I'm doing today. I would have lost my keys to the universe. So what they were trying to do to me, not only were they trying to do the thing they do to many children, which is find sources of vulnerable energy and find ways to get a hold of it, they were also trying to stop me from becoming the Katie Indy Crow that I am today. And if you ask me, anybody who has to go after a child and try to get to a child before they are mature is a loser and a weakling. And that's interesting because you oftentimes will see that motif played out in movies like Percy Jackson, like I talked to you about at the beginning of this podcast. Although it sounds kind of sad, stories like this and chains of events like what I experienced when I met these dark ones taught me a lot about who I am and how things work. And they inspired me to become the person that I am today. And they've also borne a large influence on how I do my work and why I train people the way that I do. If you were listening to this podcast and you feel that there is a young person in your life who requires support or mentorship or something to make sure that they are on the right path, you are able to email me at katieindycrow at gmail.com. I will do my best to put materials in your and their life to support them. Being an energy aware and energy sensitive person isn't a bad thing. And in fact, it is what we all are. We are all people who have inner superpowers that are to be discovered as we grow in this world. One of the reasons why people reject them so much, in my opinion, is because of the latent danger that has come with it, because we have put all of this into the category of woo-woo and don't talk about it. 
So in these cyclist pop stories, I promise that I will continue to keep doing exactly that, talking about it. I will be back with another installment and another story next week. Thank you so much for listening. If you feel inspired, you are able to support this co- podcast at buymeacoffee.com slash esoteric earth. I will see you again soon. Big love. Your friend, Katie Indycrow.